the college baseball experience, bracket reaction, and Jonathan Mayo from MLB.com interview episode on the Sports Gambling Podcast Networks presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit WinBet.com. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Just head over to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. We're also brought to you by us. Yes, the SGPN app is live in the App Store and Google Play Store. It is free to download, and it is your home for all of our free picks and podcasts and content. So grab that thing today and let it ride. This is Mike Leach, uh, head football coach at Mississippi State, and you're listening to SGPN. Let it ride. Welcome to the college baseball experience instant reaction show slash Jonathan Mayo interview. My name is Colby swinging database dad, AKA pick Don D that's not a pick. This is a pick. Nobody knows nothing. Somebody knows double the price, but no one touches Dundee. <laughs> we finally are here. There's a lot, a lot we want to cover. I mean, look, I am joined by SGPN contributor, the heartbeat of the college baseball experience. And I'm sure he is ready to just fire away on a lot of hot topics. Give it up for Noah Beanick. How you doing, Noah? What's going on, Colby? Uh, yeah, I think the listeners know by this time now that when they hear that music and when they hear Colby doing the ad reads in the intro, that's a pretty big podcast in East Carolina must have done something. So. Oh, oh, I mean... We believe in every moment that there's nothing that we couldn't do. And with that, boom, how about my East Carolina Pirates? I mean, look, uh, we're playing great ball right now. We got a top eight seed. We've been red hot. Look, I get it. We had a tough, tough start to the beginning of the season. Got some bad news on our ACE, you know, and then, uh, you know, we had a bang up, but we won what 18 straight games, 18 straight games. I mean, come on guys. Let's just, let me just, let me just cue you up another one because when you're in East Carolina, you go for it every time or you don't coach at East Carolina, you don't come to East Carolina, you don't play at East Carolina with a weak heart. Write it. Oh, write it. Noah, what do you think about my pirates? Are they just, uh, are they on the verge of something great or what? I don't know, man. Uh, really, I was kind of <laughs> surprised that they got a top eight seed here, uh, national seed, because honestly, I think they've had better teams in the past. Like, I'm going to be completely honest here. 
this was not the team that I thought East Carolina was going to do it with. Yes. At the beginning of the season, I thought they would have Wizen Hunt and I thought he would be a top five pitcher of the year. And that's why I had confidence in giving them out as like a preseason pick to win the college world series is like one of my mid majors, but uh, yeah, their, their run here has been great. And they've, they, they have some postseason excellence in the past uh, going on the road for them is always tough. And it's always tough going on the road in any college sport in general. They have the most tournament appearances by any team that has never made it to Omaha with 32. And I think the best thing about this Colby is that you guys are hosting Patty sees Virginia in your regional. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to talk some shit to Patty C when we take down those Tiki torch lighting wahoos or whatever they call themselves. Pirates are going to get it done. Watch, watch people. We got the heart uh, to quote Mike Tyson. We got the heart of lions, tigers, bears, and stallions. <laughs> uh, Dude. So, I mean, look, this, obviously I know a lot of people all over my Twitter feed. I saw people shocked. Uh, there was a ton of outrage with certain teams. I know some people calling out ECU, some people calling out other teams. Uh, let's, let's talk about seating. Like, like I, or I guess before we get into seating, what was your just gut instant reaction from Monday's uh, selection show? So, I mean, just like our guest, Jonathan Mayo, he comes in hot for these interviews like him last time saying that he's been working longer than I've been alive. That was pretty, that was pretty funny. And then, uh, you know, he, he said, uh, another, another pretty funny thing at the beginning of today's interview, but I'm going to come in hot just like him with my instant reaction here. I wrote this one out so I wouldn't forget anything that I wanted to say, but listeners buckle up because for me, I'm still steaming by the fact that NC state was left out of the NCAA term. Oh, I mean, NC state who got, look, I'm an East Carolina guy. We don't like NC state. I've always thought they were pussies. I remember when the, we played in Raleigh, we st- in football, we upset them in Raleigh and uh, we, st- we tore down their goalpost and uh, their ath- athletic director school president sus- suspended the rivalry between ECU and NC state. But even myself as someone that hates NC state, I'm sitting here saying, man, they had, they got dealt a really tough hand a year ago. You would think even if they had a, 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 a lackluster year that they would have showed a little bit of compassion and tried to get them in there. I don't even think they had a lackluster year and then no. they're, they're left out. I mean, what, what happened here? I mean, did, did NC state just, uh, I don't know. Did their head coach just sleep with all of the wives of the committee? I have no idea. But it's just crazy to think that they left them out. Um, what, what do you think that logic is? I mean, what do you what 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 do you think at the heart of that? So I was watching the selection show, and so much time had passed by, and it was to the point that I completely forgot that they didn't announce NC State. And I feel like that's what exactly what happened to, to the committee as well. I'm I'm just saying this because not because they were my preseason favorite to win the college world series. I'm saying it because I like handicapped this Elliot Avent Avon squad pretty much perfectly. I said that they were going to come out hot out of the gates and they did. And they had uh, what Tommy, Tommy white hit like seven home runs in the first weekend. And we gave them, we gave them the nickname, Tommy tanks, which by the way, it's like one of the most marketable freshmen the NCAA could ever ask for. And maybe, maybe most marketable, marketable player, we've had this season with his cool ass nickname plus his silver chain 
and the all-time freshman home run record that he just broke. Um, and I literally predicted that they'd come out hot. They'd struggle in the middle of the season because they have a lot of youth on this team and they didn't have many returning uh, experienced players. And that's what, that's what happened in the beginning of the ACC play. But you know what? When postseason came around, they were right on the bubble and they did what they needed to do. And they took care of business. They went three and one in that ACC tournament. Um, and like I, like I said, at, in the first podcast, in the first article that I wrote about college baseball, that Elliot Avent would have this team ready to go come postseason time. And they would be, they would begin the PAC nine revenge tour as I claimed it. I mean, it's really just an all-time blunder by the NCAA committee. There's a ton of little things that were factored into the into the decision here. And there was other little things that shouldn't or that didn't, but should have gotten included in the decision. NC state had a four and two record that included a three game sweep against East Carolina. They were four and two against national seeds this year. It's just kind of crazy that I'm, going down with the ship here because I knew NC state was on the, on the bubble going in the ACC tournament. They took care of business and they lost in the ACC tournament championship game. to maybe the hottest team in the country right now, North Carolina, who's won 13 of 15 against ACC competition. I'm sorry, uh, Colby and East Carolina, but you guys have won 18 straight against American teams. And only one of them are in the only one of the 18 wins is a postseason team. So well, I, I, would, I feel like that's just like when Clemson gets to the college football playoff or invitational yeah. when they played no one. So I feel like, okay, you know, yeah. So, I mean, I would consider East North Carolina, probably the hottest team in the country within 13 of their last 15, but NC state finished with an ACC aggregate record of 17 and 16, which is just above 500, but in a power co- power five conference. And we see it a lot with the sec sometimes teams get in two games under 500 and nobody says a thing because they just had a good strength of schedule all year. Um, NC state finished with uh, a 33 RPI and it should have been a no brainer for a team to get in to the tournament within a, uh, at large RPI that high, but they didn't get rewarded for their runner up tourney run, but a team like Florida that went to the SEC championship game, but lost to Tennessee did Florida with a 39 and 22 overall record and a 19 and seven total record counting the conference tournament in the S 19 and 17 record in the sec, they get to host NC state finishes with a 36 and 21 record. They had three less wins and one less loss. And they finished 17 and 16 total in the ACC with a runner up in the ACC tournament, but they don't get a reward even worse. Ole miss who is 32 and 22 with four less wins and one more loss than the Wolfpack. But the Rebels got in over them with a 38 RPI and an 8 and 13 record versus top 50 teams. Ooh. Whereas NC State had a 33 RPI and a 12 and 15 record versus top 50 teams. The worst part about it is is that this was a despicable act by the committee. Forget everything that I just said. Think about this. If NC State got in over Ole Miss, they would have made it 10 ACC teams and only eight SEC teams. But no, that can't happen. There can't be more ACC teams than SEC teams in the tournament. And why is that such an easy decision to make? It's because the ACC and for the big the Big Ten in that matter, they don't have a seat at the table. They don't have a guy representing them at the com- in the committee. Oh, How I, do I, all I, the Power Five conferences not get one representative each? It's well, like this is like the college in college football and college basketball. There's a complete 
conflict of interest. There's yeah. a, like, it, it makes no sense. It should be a third party. I mean, one of the years they had Condoleezza rice on the, on the college football playoff committee. What the hell does she know? I mean, with all due respect, what the hell does she know about football? That's that's I feel like for each one of these, it is more of a, uh, I've always thought that, uh, you know, for college basketball, when they, they go to do that, uh, they got some guys in there. You say, I don't know that they're credible. And yeah. why would you have something like with a clear conflict of interest, uh, putting your programs in? I think if anything, it should go to someone that has no affiliation, make give, give 12 people a job all year to watch these games and then dictate the best teams. I mean, exactly. I don't know. And it just seems crazy to me. Cause uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, continue on. And, and it's, and it's tough. I, I like, I agree with you. Like just give, give a group of people the job to watch basketball and baseball games. That's all we ask. Like, I know they're long seasons, but like any one of us that are podcasting and writing about these teams week in and week out, we would love that job to select the tournament like uh field. But I mean, because they don't have a seat at the table because the ACC is not in these conversations. It's easy for the other conferences to just kind of, you know what? Yeah. Let's sure. Let's let it go. But I mean, that's why Rutgers out of the big 10 didn't get with 45 wins. Didn't get into the tournament either. Plus after last year, Elliot Avent statements about the NCAA probably didn't help the Wolfpack's case this year, but even still after the way the Wolfpack and season ended last year, I thought they could have gotten some sympathy this year and they would have been allowed to start the pack nine revenge I, I, tour. I think they should have got some sympathy, even if they had a bad season. I mean, not, not a, not a, I don't want to see a terrible record in there, but yeah, obviously they were, they had a good enough record to get in there. Uh, so if anything, I would have been okay with them being, even being overseeded, you know, not, I mean, obviously I would like the most honest system possible, but I felt like the way they got dealt last year, and this is a guy that grow, grew up hating NC state. You know what I mean? So I, I, yeah. yeah, I, I completely think it's ridiculous, man. I, I yeah. can, so I, I would have thought they would have gotten some sympathy, but instead they got a kick in the dick. That's, that's how I'm going to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> a kick in the dick. That's, that's never a, a fun experience. Uh, but okay. Let's, let's keep it going about, about seating. Who got, who do you feel got like overseeded by the NCAA? Cause I, I know there's a couple out there that, that uh, we could definitely talk about. And I find one very uh, convenient, uh, but anyway, <laughs> who do you think got, got overseeded by the NCAA? Yeah. So, I mean, my number one answer is Texas. I mean, they, they got a ninth overall seed and they finished fifth in the big 12. And then, uh, I mean, right there with Texas, Oklahoma state, they, they got a, a, the number seven national seed and they finished fourth in the big 12. Those are your two big 12 representatives in the top 16 and neither of them finished in the top three of the conference. Let me break this down for you. Texas has the number one athletic budget. They have their own little network that ESPN has or whatever. You see this in football every year we see Texas, even in basketball, you know, shout out to Chris beard. I think he's a good coach, but they came in preseason top 10 last year. You look at the football team. I feel like every year they're going five and seven or six and six or seven and five and disappointing their fan base, but they come into each season preseason, top 10, top 15. It is, it's a, it's the flaw with college sports really is, is they kind of play the numbers game. I feel like they put them there. They get a lot of love just because their athletic budgets that big. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you there. I mean, I, 
for baseball, the Longhorn Network, I don't view it as that bad because they're one of the few networks that actually showcase college baseball consistently throughout the whole year and not just pick it up when basketball ends in April. Like you're able to watch their games February through March. And then you get the SEC network coming in uh, and then the uh, ACC network and the big 10 network, the big 10 network is ridiculous. It doesn't even start their coverage until middle of April. But yeah, <laughs> It's snowing. They don't want to show that. But yeah, uh, exactly. Let's talk about the Auburn Tigers because I thought they got overseeded by the NCAA as well. What What did you think of of the Auburn Tigers? Yeah, I mean they got the number fifteen seed, and it's not as much as like that they didn't earn it. There was one team behind them in specific that I think should have gotten it over at least them, and I feel like they earned it over like half this field. And it's kind of going to get stemmed into the next thing that we want to talk about, which is like what teams didn't get any respect from the NCAA and got underseated. It's Notre Dame for me, like another ACC team. You, you had four ACC hosts. You had four SEC hosts. You couldn't get five ACC hosts because that that would be more than the SEC. And I mean, like any other guy that's going to cover college baseball for you they're always going to be a fan of the an SEC team. Like that's how they pay attention to college baseball. I'm not, the, I'm not the same way. Like my team, I, I feel guilty because they were awful for most of the regular season. And then they ended up stealing a bid that I'm complaining about with NC state is Michigan. That's my team. Um, and I somewhat root for Florida, but I don't have a true SEC fandom and I'm going to sit here and just, bass on this shit all day long because the ACC had just as good of a year as the SEC and they were deeper in their bet. Like they had better teams at the top of the conference than the SEC did, but they both still have only four teams hosting. Uh, for me, that was just an inexcusable. So, I mean, I, it's not that I dislike Auburn being seated high, it's just that I really think Notre Dame deserved at least the top 16. I thought they should have been top eight. Wow. Wow. The Irish just getting uh, shit on says Noah Beanick. Now I want to talk about the Oklahoma Sooners. Do you feel like I know the Oklahoma Sooners uh, rivals to Texas, uh, but some of these big 12 teams at uh, TCU, another one, I feel like, what do you, what do you make of uh, the Sooners and the Horn Frogs over there in the big 12? Yeah. So I'll start with uh, TCU. Uh, their RPI was in the thirties. So it's really hard to rank them higher. Um, they got a two seed, which in, in ultra, uh, review, I guess, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, is ultimately it's probably the right seating. But when you have Texas and Oklahoma state ranked above them and TCU won the regular season in the big 12, it's probably the wrong decision in my opinion. And therefore you have Oklahoma in here as well, who went on that run, didn't lose a game in the big 12 tournament. They went four and oh, they beat, uh, they beat West Virginia. They beat Texas tech twice. And then they beat Texas in the championship and they get a two seed and they don't get a top 16 while the team that they beat eight to one in their championship game, Texas gets a host. And what's the worst part about that too, is that for some reason they announced all of the hosts the night before they announced the bracket. And when they announced the host Oklahoma game, Oklahoma's game was still going on. So they didn't get the view Oklahoma winning the championship Which, in their what, tournament. Once again, they did to this, get the seat. It's so dumb. They do this in football and basketball too. It, it, it absolutely drives me crazy. Why not just wait till the season's officially done? 
It's so dumb. No one. That's like if the NFL on week 17 or whatever, 18 now, because of the, the added week was to sit there and say, well, you know, let's just give the bills, the home game, even though <laughs> they're playing and they could, the, the, the chiefs, if they, if the chiefs win, they would get the home game, but no, 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 no. Let's just give it to Buffalo right now. Cause there's a chance the chiefs might, might lose since the game's on. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I love, I love yeah. the little shots that are going towards Adam's team too on college <laughs> baseball podcast. Shout out to Adam Pelletier, the editor over at uh, sports gambling podcast does a lot of great work. And also Noah, you got some articles over there, correct? Yeah. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. I just put out a college world series futures article. Yeah. I mean, so go to sports or better yet, get the SGPN app. I think you'll truly love the app because you'll get access to all of that, but hold on. We're still in the middle of talking about teams that got disrespected. My mother <laughs> is from the university of Maryland and the Maryland Terrapins. It seemed like, seemed like they got dealt a bad hand. Am I right? Yeah, they did. They're from the big 10. You know, they don't have a seat at the table. They got disrespected. They, they were given uh hold on. They were given the 14 seed, I think, in this tournament. Um, where was Auburn had the 15? I think Maryland had the 14, and they're in the three seeds bracket or uh, three seeds side of the bracket. No, yeah. uh, Maryland had the 15, and Auburn had the 14. I had that wrong. So Maryland had the 15, Auburn had the 14. And you have Maryland, who's in the Big Ten. They don't have a seat at the table, they don't have somebody to stand up for them. That was a top eight resume. Like literally I, no offense to you, but that was a team that I had ranked above East Carolina. Um, oh, you're it, just... it was just, it, it amazes me that literally, I don't, I don't think East Carolina's team was that great this year, like on the field, but on the paper, they were better than some teams this year. I just didn't see that the same way with, uh, Maryland and Notre Dame in specific. East Carolina, look, they started off the season like this. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> All right. Um, well, how about the LSU Tigers? I think that's one that uh, I think you know certain people they you know they they keep a decent program. I know obviously the coach coming over what from Arizona State. Uh, yeah, how Arizona. That, I'm sorry, Arizona. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you think about the LSU Tigers and where they got seated? Yeah, I mean. Ultimately, in my opinion, I think they were seated correctly. I think there was other teams that had a better argument like Oklahoma and Notre Dame to get a seed. But uh, yeah, I, I know a lot of people were claiming or clamoring for LSU to at least get a seed above Auburn. So uh, that was a team that was probably underseated as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's run through some of these regionals. Let's touch on some of the uh, strongest and maybe some of the weakest regionals, and then maybe mention some of our favorite storylines, you know, from, from, from the others. So uh, let's, let's just start off with some of the strongest regionals that jump off on the bracket to you, uh, Noah, what, what would that be? The strongest one? Like if you had to say, wow, I don't know who's going to come out of that. What, who are you going with? So the one that I would say is the strongest. I think there's, I have two answers for that question. Now the strongest is one answer and the, wow, I don't know who's going to come out of that one's a different one. The strongest one's the Stanford regional. I, I still think Stanford's good enough to come out, but you got Texas state who was oh, projected a one seed the whole season long. They have a great pitching staff over there. They beat, they, they split a mid, uh, 
a, a midweek series with Texas during the year. Texas State was incredible, uh, beating up on some Big 12 and Pac-12 teams during the year. And then UC Santa Barbara, who absolutely dominated the West Coast Conference. And honestly, like, or that they're in the Big West. I don't know what, what I'm talking about. I'm just ranting and raving. But UCSB was much better than a three seed line. And that's just one of those things that the committee looks at the numbers that they see on the paper and they don't watch the baseball games and you see Santa Barbara gets put into the Stanford regional. And if I'm Stanford, I'd be throwing a fit that you get both Texas state and UCSB coming to Palo Alto this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I completely get it too. And I feel like we've seen this with football too. I mean, Stanford scheduled 12 power fives recently. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like I, that one stood out to me too. When I looked at the bracket, what about Gainesville though? What about Gainesville or, or perhaps Statesboro? Yeah. So Gainesville's the second answer of that two part question. I'd say, I have no idea who's going to come out of Gainesville. I got my buddies over there playing for central Michigan and Florida and Florida lost uh, 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 their opening game to South Florida, who was a four seed last year in the tournament. So Central Michigan could easily beat Florida again this year. Um, you know, you that's the knock against Florida is you never know how many people are actually going to show up to their game. They don't have people that turn out for their baseball games, and uh, you don't know. Oklahoma could outshow them. I hear like Oklahoma, they might have a good tra- traveling fan base with this squad this year, Oklahoma coming in red hot after winning the big 12, they have one of the best pitching staffs in the country. They've been really hot hitting lately and Liberty already beat Florida in a three game series this year. So it's like, I, I really don't know who's going to come out of that Gainesville region. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that just seems pretty loaded there. What about the weakest regionals though? I mean, I, I know one to me, call me crazy Austin, Texas, right from, right from the jump, you know, I'm going in on that. Talk to me about how that's the weakest region. Yeah. Dallas Baptist doesn't even belong. I'll just say that I'll come in hot with that one too. I mean, Dallas Baptist is another team that NC state probably should have been ranked above DBU went 11, nine and one in the Missouri Valley conference. They won three series. They lost four. I don't know how in, in, in basketball or any other NCAA sport, you do not get an at large bid from a mid major. <laughs> With a losing or a losing record, they had a slightly winning record. They were 11, 9, and 1, but they were they had a losing record when it came to series. They just swept the bad teams in the conference and they lost the series outright to the good teams. It's like I don't know how DBU gets in. They have the number one non-conference strength of schedule, and that seems to be what the committee solely bank based their rankings off of. So DBU stands out as like a team that I don't know what they're doing in that regional Louisiana tech, in my opinion, is a week number two, they were struggling for most of this year. They have a good one, two in their starting rotation, but the hitting is very spotty. And then the four seed is probably the team that gives Texas the most trouble as they've already split a midweek series with Texas as well. Uh, there were two football game scores. I believe one was 14 to 12 that Texas won. And then Texas lost an 11, 10 game, the air force. That's just off the top of my head. Don't book me on those scores, but yet yeah, Texas might have to throw their ACE game one in a one, four game when most teams don't like to throw their ACE and they like to save it for the next game in the winner's bracket, but they might have to throw Pete Anson against the Falcons here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just thought that, that, uh, that just seemed like a weak regional there. What about, what about some of these other ones out there that are, I mean, I know 
right up the road, College Station. What tell, talk to me about College Station and what you think is going to go on there? Yeah, so honestly, I don't know what's going to go on in College Station. It's uh, I have handicapped the region. I've handicapped a handful of these regions already. Um, I'll give you a sneak peek in the what I've got working over here. Uh, in this College Station regional, you have teams with uh, the best team ERA comes from your four seed oral Roberts. And that's one of the things that I like to look at when choosing teams to advance oral Roberts has a four or nine ERA, but they're, they're up North in that mid major conference. Uh, what is it? The summit league or yes, what are they? Summit yeah. league. Shout Coming out to out oral of, Roberts just two years ago with max ACE missed. They made it to the sweet 16 and almost went to the elite eight. Yeah. Uh, and, and shout out to Haywood workman. Yeah. I think he's currently an NBA referee. He went to oral Roberts as well. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, Oral on. Roberts from the summit. Uh, they have, I mean, I know I said up north there from Tulsa, but uh, they have the best ERA in this regional. Um, none of these teams really excelled all year hitting. Uh, the best batting average also comes from your four seed Oral Roberts that is 21st in the country with a 306. The one seed here in the in this region is Texas AM. They've been hot hitting lately. They've won seven. Uh, straight SEC uh, weekend series in a row. They're 94th in the country in team batting average, t- 286. Um, they don't really excel in any category in their last seven ga- or last 10 games. They're seven and three, um, but they get the pleasure of hosting this regional. And they were uh, a top five seed no matter what. Like, I, I can't argue their resume, but uh, uh, I, off, the, very off the paper, yeah. uh, th- this team doesn't stand out to me there, uh, but their home record is 22 and nine. So it's a little bit above average when you see those home records, but the storyline of this regional is that TCU's former coach, Jim Schlossnagel is over there as the head coach is Texas A&M and you get the horn frogs coming in here. Red uh, just probably pissed off that their coach is in the other dugout and pissed off that they didn't get a one seat after winning the big 12. So they're going to be red hot. Schlossnagel. That sounds like something you like something you would get at like a carnival in Europe. I'll try. <laughs> I'll take two Schlossnagels. Uh, no, but look, I'm excited to see Texas A&M. I know we want to ask uh, Jonathan Mayo about the Aggies and see how they uh, appear to him. But uh, what about, what about what's going on in Louisville, Kentucky? Yeah. I mean, this one's the one that appeals to me, I guess, off the pages. Uh, my Michigan Wolverines are in here miraculously after their Big Ten tournament run. But, uh, yeah, this team or this regional does not have one good pitching team. All of them are great hitting teams, though. And uh, whether whether or not you want to say that Michigan or Southeast Missouri aren't consistent hitting-wise, they're uh, both uh, outside of the top 100 in team batting average. Um, they hit bombs. <laughs> Southeast Missouri is 21st in the country in home runs and Michigan's 39th with 882 home runs on the year. And that puts them second and third in this conf- in this regional uh, for the home run category. And there's not one team that excels in pitching. Um, so it, Louisville's going to be interesting and I may be there this weekend. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. If you are, please reach out. Noah Beanick of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, reach out. He's on Twitter at seventy-seven NB. Uh, let us know. Let us know if you're going to be there in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, all right, we want to talk to you about how to pick a college World Series future 
But before that, I want to get us paid and I'm going to have you uh, have Jonathan Mayo come on the show. But after that, we will then talk about how to pick a college world series future. But before that, uh, let's get paid and, and talk to Jonathan Mayo. I want to tell you that the college baseball experience is brought to you by WinBet, and WinBet's bet $50 to win $200 promotion, where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Plus, the WinBet Casino is offering a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. All users can receive a uh, $20 free bet when they uh, win, lose, or push a three or more uh, leg, essentially building your own bet parlay between Thursdays and Saturdays. Players uh, can take advantage of the offer on the NBA playoffs. The match is also, uh, you know, it's coming to to win, and you can bet on it over at winbet.com. Uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers minus 200. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes plus 165. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit winbet.com. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com to get started today. All for subject to James. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older. President state where you play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. Yes. Uh, Sleeper's the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You uh, you probably already have a fantasy league on there. I know I do. And it's, but it, this is a game-changing product, unlike anything else really in the industry. And now you can make money on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. Yes, it's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players you like and pick the over or the under, for example, number of points in a basketball game. If you think Steph Curry's going to drop 32 tonight, maybe you go over or under, depending on what you like, or maybe hits in a baseball game. You know, whatever, whatever whoever you, you know, you, you gotta, you can shop around. You can even throw sports together. That's what's great. Uh, then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from up to two times the amount of money all the way up to 20 times or more the amount of money you put in. The main reason I'm excited for over and under on sleeper is it's the only app where I can basically join my buddy's contest and play together. You know I mean? Say, say, look, it's Memorial day weekend, uh, you know, this past weekend and, and say, you're just, uh, Hey, you know, you're going to the ball, the ballpark, catch a game, right? You say, Hey, but you know, let's, let's make a wager on the game with your buddy. But at the same time, maybe you guys are rooting for the same team. So how about you make some bets? on who's going to have, you know, more hits or score more points. And that's, what's cool is you can have your own little group between your buddies. It's got a uh, built-in group chat where you can, uh, you can, well, you can copy your friend's picks. I would never do such a thing, uh, but I, I know damn well they'd be copying mine, but that's the point. You can have all this great stuff there. So stop what you're doing and download the sleeper, uh, sleeper app now to play their new over under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Now, on your mobile phone, you can join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash SGP. And Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. Join our squad and get the 100% deposit match at sleeper.com slash SGP. Joining us on the college baseball experience. Look, we mentioned that we may need to bring this guy on the podcast once more this season prior to the NCAA tournament. Uh, much similar, much similar to how the MLB.com writer covers the, uh, the minor leagues and the MLB draft. He said that he was buying low in the, the young shortstop Cole young for the 2022, uh, MLB draft on the episode. 
He also bought low into us. Uh, and our first episode is still getting new downloads to this day. So it's our pleasure to welcome back. Uh, Jonathan Mayo. How you doing, Jonathan? Appreciate you joining us. We all know you're only having me here for the increased listens. So, you know, <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> Happy to be with you again. Oh man. I appreciate you. So, I mean, Noah, we, here we are. The postseason is almost upon us. Noah, I think you want to dive into some questions you wanted to ask Jonathan. Yeah, so I think it's a perfect time to uh, get familiar with some faces that could be drafted in the MLB draft. And we're going to be seeing more teams than ever on national television with the NCAA tournament starting up. So who better to bring on than Jonathan Mayo from MLB.com. Jonathan, my first question for you is, I think this is a great place to start off our conversation. It's kind of picking up where we were on our last episode with you on it. Uh, there are a ton of college pitchers that have arm injuries. This was a concern prior to the season, even beginning, but now there are even more pitchers sidelined for the rest of the year. Can you talk about some of those guys and how it may affect their draft position? Yeah. I mean, the only thing that might help them is the fact that there are so many of them. Uh, and you know, the guys who just have Tommy John surgery, and it's funny that gets to a point where that is a just, it's still yeah. major elbow surgery, but you know, more and more teams are comfortable with taking guys who have had Tommy John surgery. So, you know, uh, Connor prelip missed the whole year. He just threw for scouts, um, early, uh, about a week ago, uh, I think. Uh, so he, he at least is showing that he's getting closer to healthy. Landon Sims went down after a really exciting start moving from, you know, from the bullpen to, to Friday night starter. Um, so, you know, scouts didn't get a very long look, although they know the stuff would certainly work out of the bullpen. Um, Peyton Paulette is another guy who's be, who'll be coming back. I think chance that he might pitch in the Cape Cod league. Then you have Carson Wisenhunt, who's not hurt, but got suspended and missed the entire season, uh, in East Carolina. He's another one. Maybe you'll see, uh, you know, in, in the Cape Cod league, uh, you know, uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. And I actually think I misspoke because Paulette just had Tommy John surgery, uh, in January. So we won't be seeing him this year. I think I was thinking, uh, of one of the other injured pitchers. Yeah. So we, we threw you a meatball there for the first question. Uh, now we want to come with some heat and specifically, uh, you know, 105 mile an hour heat and that's Tennessee's Ben Joyce. Whenever Joyce trots in from the, uh, the bullpen baseball, social media seems to erupt. He has the second uh, fastest pitch ever recorded in a baseball game, only behind Chapman in his prime. Uh, what do you think MLP MLB teams will be doing during the draft with Ben Joyce is, is valued super high. Uh, is he valued super high because of his God given talent or is he uh, too wild for the pro game? You know, he's thrown a decent amount of strikes this year, but here, you know, there are a couple things that make it really, really hard to figure out what to do with Ben Joyce. One is a lack of track record, right? He's already had Tommy John surgery. He only has one year, uh, you know, with Tennessee. Um, and as hard as he throws and as nasty as the stuff is, he's not the most trusted reliever on that staff. And so that begs the question, well, why, you know, he can't pitch them back to back days. I, I think he had an outing 
week or so ago where he went four innings and then didn't pitch for a week. You know, I understand they're managing his workload because this is the first year he's been fully healthy, but you know, it's just a huge roll of the dice, like to try to figure out where this guy should go because you just don't know if his arm is going to, to hold up, you know, there's just, isn't enough familiarity with him to, to be certain to take him too early. I wouldn't think. Okay. So continuing with the Tennessee theme here, the last time we had you on the podcast, they were under the radar radar. Now they are the radar. Where do we expect some of this team's stars like drew Gilbert, Jordan Beck, blade Tidwell, and others to be announced come draft day. So Tidwell's another of the hurt, you know, pitchers just who's come back and he's, and he's, uh, and he's pitching again. Uh, you know, it's a you know, ridiculously talented college team. None of those guys are like top of the first one. Now, if Tidwell can reel off a couple of good postseason outings, I think he starts floating up, uh, you know, up a little bit higher. Uh, both my colleague, Jim Callis and I had him somewhere in the mid to, you know, middle of the first round to the early twenties. And I think that makes the most sense. I think Gilbert is another guy who sneaks into the first round Beck Also, they're all sort of guys who could be somewhere in the, the back end of the first round. Maybe some of them spill over into, you know, in, into that first comp round, but you know, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Uh, so, so in, you know, we, we, last time we had you on, we talked about, you know, some guys, that, that were potentially on the, the draft radar, who are some college guys that have seen their draft stock rise and then vice versa. Who are some that maybe have dropped a little bit, Jonathan? Are we counting junior college guys or you just want the D one guys? We can do, we can do it all. We can do JC. Well, I mean, the, the one guy who's really probably, you know, moved up the most is, is cam Collier. Uh, his dad, Lou played in the big leagues. Um, and he was at Chipola junior college, which is one of the, better college programs in the country. He graduated high school early. So he's super young, held his own, can really, really hit. He could be, uh, he could be a top 10 pick. I think when all is said and done, um, I think the guy whose name we're hearing a lot is Zach Nito, the shortstop at Campbell. Yeah. Um, just a really, really good performer. Um, and so his name has moved up kind of into that, middle of the first round, uh, you know, college bats where if you feel like, Oh, they're going to go out and hit um, those, those guys do tend to, uh, you know, sort of move up quite a bit. Um, the other side of that coin, maybe a guy like Judd Fabian, who obviously everyone knows, and I think he's going to do pretty well in the draft, but you know, the big question about him last year was the swing and miss in his game. And the first part of this year he kind of answered a lot of those questions. It cut his strikeout rate way down. It didn't cost him any power. And then the SEC play really started and he really struggled. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are now, but he was below 200 uh, hitting in the SEC. And like, listen, I understand batting average is not the be all end all, um, but I don't know too many guys who hit one something in conference play and, and, and did well in the draft and then, you know, went on to be really, really good big leaguers. Now he's got a ton of talent. The powers really can really play center field, but uh, he's going to have to have a kind of hot finish, I think, to kind of get that arrow back pointed up for him. Yeah. And that kind of happened with Judd Fabian last year. He was a low average hitter, but he hit 
the ball really well with power. Um, and also you mentioned Collier with uh, big league ties with his uh, father, I believe uh, there are more guys at the top of this uh, draft that have kind of athletic or big league ties. Can you talk about some of those guys? And um, <laughs> is there kind of like a, a new theme here with uh, some of these guys that have bloodlines, because we see it with the Toronto blue Jays major league team right now with Guerrero, Biggio, uh, Bichette. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's, you know, it's cyclical just in terms of how many might be in one class. I think it's always been something that is uh, been of interest or important to, to a, a team when they're scouting, but the very top, I mean, the very top of our list, you have Drew Jones. That's Andrew Jones's son. Uh, Elijah Green's dad is Eric Green, the great tight end, uh, NFL tight end. Jackson Holiday is Matt's kid. Um, you know, and then you, I mean, Brooks Lee, his dad is the coach at Cal Poly, he plays for him there. Uh, you've got Jace Young, whose brother Josh is a Rangers prospect. Daniel Susak's brother Andrew played in the big leagues. You mentioned Collier. And then another guy, a high school guy with a huge up hour next to his name is Justin Crawford. And uh, he is from Bishop Gorman High School in in Las Vegas and he is Carl Crawford's son. So uh, it, it's, I've never seen anything quite like this in terms of the amount of uh, sort of MLB ties, bloodline kind of storylines. Very cool. It's going to provide you a lot of storylines on draft day for sure. It'll give us something <laughs> to talk about. That's for sure. Yeah. So a lot of college baseball fans, uh, we, we had to be selfish, talk about college baseball in the first few questions, but now we'll let you open it up and include some high school guys for this question. Um, can you run through your best players? I know you kind of did it with some of the guys that have bloodlines, but can you just name your top five or top 10 guys that you think uh, should be here in the MLB draft? Top yeah. I, I mean, and yeah, I, I kind of did that in order because the top three all had some sort of bloodline. So yeah. we have drew Jones at the top. Elijah green is two and Jackson holiday is three. The one guy I didn't mention was Tamar Johnson. Who's a, high school infielder from Georgia, who's one of the best pure high school hitters uh, any any scout has seen in, in a long time. But he comes with a slightly undersized package, probably moves to second base, but he can really hit and has surprising power. Uh, Brooks Lee is the top college guy. Uh, Kevin Parada is a catcher from Georgia Tech. Uh, Jacob Berry uh, is at LSU now. Uh, Jace Young, I mentioned. Gavin Cross from Virginia Tech uh, is number nine. And then Brock Porter, is a high school right-hander from Michigan. And he is the only pitcher we now have in our top 13. Uh, Dylan Lesko is probably the most talented high school pitcher in the draft, but he also just had Tommy John surgery. So we moved him down a little bit. Uh, Yes. Sorry about that phone going off in the background. Uh, look, college baseball fans will remember this, this guy's name, uh, whether they love him or hate him. Kumar Rocker is back in the 2022 MLB draft class. And what are you hearing about, uh, about Rocker right now? You know, he's, he's going to play independent balls. It's kind of what we expected. Uh, I'll be playing for uh, the tri city Valley cats in upstate New York. It'll be, you know, it'll probably start. uh, I think his first starts June 4th. Um, It'll, you know, uh, and I think, two things are going to have to happen with Kumar rocker. One, he's going to have to go out and show that his stuff is still as good. Um, I don't know how many innings he's going to throw, how stretched out he'll get, but he needs to show he can go out and take the ball and look healthy. And then he's going to have to share his medical information. Cause obviously that's, that's the biggest question mark. Uh, you know, you know, the Mets took him 
10th overall and had a deal and then didn't like the physical and completely walked away. Like they, they offered him nothing. So, but no one else has seen that medical information. So, you know, we don't really know what it says. And then one team may walk away. Another team might be like, all right, it's fine. You know, if it's, if it's just an elbow issue, uh, there are very few pitchers who pitched, you know, at that level who don't have something that would show up, uh, you know, on an MRI. I think teams, like we said before, guys who have Tommy John surgery, they'll take, if there's something frayed in there, you know, they won't shy away. If it's an elbow and the shoulder, which is what the Mets claimed, then that's a bigger roll of the dice. And, you know, that's why I think teams are going to have to have, have more of a comfort level with what the medical reports say before they take them. But if those questions are all answered and that's a big, if, you know, he could be a, a back end of the first round kind of guy, just, you know, the only thing holding him from being higher up is the concern about the injury risk. Okay. So this is sort of a common uh, commonality in baseball right now. Just some conspiracies about the balls, the equipment that they're using. Uh, Colby, I, and some other guys in the college baseball Twitter space have had some assumptions that either the bats, the balls, or both have been enhanced compared this year compared to years prior home runs are way up in the college game right now. Are there any scouts that you have talked to that have said anything about that kind of stuff and how does it affect the way that they're recruiting hitters right now? That has not come up, but you know, uh, keep in mind that, you know, a lot of scouts have been doing this for a long time scouted when they were just using the full on metal bats that weren't, you know, they weren't BB core. They weren't sort of softened at all. And the numbers were insane. And the biggest trick for a scout is to not look at the result, but, you know, look at the mechanics of the swing, uh, you know, the setup, the bat speed, things of that nature, because whether the, you know, the bats or balls or whatever are more juiced this year or not, you still have to know whether or not what they're doing the college level is going to work at the next level. And you can't do that by just, you know, looking at a stat sheet or seeing how far a ball goes. We, we had inflate gate, man. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, inflate plate. If this is, uh, if this is the real <laughs> thing, uh, look, before we, we, we get you going, uh, we let you go. Uh, we want to do some, like a lightning round. We want to run through some of the contenders that you think could win the college world series other than Tennessee. And uh, when we say a team that, that, you know, uh, you could mention maybe a name or two that, that catches your eyes, but potentially draft eligible, or maybe someone that we should keep an eye on in the, throughout the road to Omaha and ultimately the draft. So with that, uh, can we, can we just rattle off uh, some teams for you? Let's do it. All right. The Oregon state beavers. So I think the, you know, the, the biggest name is, is Cooper Jerpy, their, their left-hander kind of pitchability lefty. He's going to be a first rounder for sure. The guy who I really like, they have a lot of talent. Obviously they always do is Jacob Melton, uh, who's having a huge year in the outfield. Uh, like I think he's, you know, I don't say he's under the radar, uh, but compared to some of the other college bats, he might be one of those guys who goes in that comp round or the second round and ends up being just as good as the college bats who go, uh, you know, in the first half of the first round. Yeah. So Jacob Melton on the year, he's batting 359 with an 11, 12 OPS. 
and 15 home runs. And Cooper Jerpy, he's 10 and two with a 233 ERA and 140 strikeouts in 89 innings. So two very legit names there that I seem to talk about a lot on this podcast as well. Um, next team that we uh, have listed here is Virginia Tech. Uh, any names that jump out to you there? Yeah, I mean, the big one is Gavin Cross. I mean, he's probably going to be a top 10, at least a top 15 pick. Uh, really talented outfielder, power speed combination, can play center, maybe ends up in a corner, but they have a lot of good hitters. Tanner Schobel, the shortstop, maybe he's more of an offensive minded second baseman. And then Cade Hunter, uh, the catcher who kind of snuck up on people, was a little bit more of a pop-up guy this year. Uh, a lot of teams who like data, like exit velocity and launch angle are going to really like him. His dad, speaking of bloodlines, is uh, Seattle Mariners scouting director, Scott Hunter. Yeah. So Gavin cross, he's batting three eighteen on the year with 14 home runs, 11 stolen bags. And he has a OPS of 1026. And actually all three guys that you mentioned have an OPS over a thousand Colby. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk Stanford Cardinal baseball because as they won the pac 12 and, and really, you know, kind of uh, at the beginning of the year, didn't look that strong. And then they're kind of, kind of coming on of late. What do you think of the Stanford Cardinal? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the big name is Brock Jones. Um, who's he's really interesting to me. He was a former two sport guy, you know, kind of jumped on the scene last year Had a, had a big year had a good summer and then came out at the start of this year and looked completely lost. Like we talked about Judd Fabian, uh, you know, Brock Jones was giving Judd Fabian a run for his money in terms of the swing and miss. And then he clearly made some adjustments has gotten got locked in as they got into conference play and his numbers are kind of right around where they were last year. He is super athletic. It's not often you get a college hitter with like a ton of upside uh, just because, you know, he split his focus for, for a while to sports, but the athleticism and the power and speed it's, he's really interesting to me. Yeah. So Brock Jones, he's, he's a true five tool player. He's batting three thirty on the year with an 1140 OPS. He has 17 tanks and 14 stolen bases. And he is pretty good on uh, in center field. Correct. Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you wanted to move him to the corner, you know, for whatever reason, he'd be that sort of prototypical athletic run producer with a strong arm. Okay. So another team that uh, we have some fans in uh, SGPN with, and they have had a great season so far, the who's Virginia, the Cavaliers. Uh, are there any, some, are there any, some uh, draft prospects on this? There team? are no, no, like top guys. Uh, probably the, t- the, the two names that come up the most. One is Nate Savino, the lefty who's, he's been a little up and down. He was a huge high school prospect, but one of these guys who took his name out of the draft so he could go to Virginia early. Um, so he is young, um, you know, limited ceiling, but you know, he's had a pitch when, when things work. And then Chris Newell was an outfielder who has a ton of tools, but has never really performed. Now there are guys that have come out of Virginia. That's a tough place to hit. And I think yeah. that might work in his, in his favor. You look at, you know, Zach Geloff had a really tough year last year and Virginia, and now he's absolutely raking in double a with the A's. So uh, I think. Uh, if people, you know, they're not the same kind of player, Scott's, uh, you know, will have to be convinced that what he does will work at the next level, but they like the tools. They don't like that. He hasn't really been able to use them. 
Gotcha. So Newell has 16 stolen bags on the year. He's batting 268 with an 872 OPS. And Nate Savino, he's five and six on the year with a 402 ERA and 75 strikeouts on the year in 71.2 innings. The next team, this was the team that we were all talking about in the preseason. They kind of haven't lived up to the hype. Uh, their bullpen has been a huge weakness for them, but they have a couple of stars on the team. Are there any draft prospects from the Texas Longhorns? Yeah, there are. I mean, no big ones. I think the guy who's probably helped himself the most is first baseman Ivan Melendez. Uh, again, teams that like you know like data and and guys who perform uh, and you know uh, for a big program and a big conference. He's one of these guys though that like scouts don't see a ton of bat speed. It's more strength. So then you worry about well when you start seeing you know the premium velocity and premium stuff at the pro level is that going to cause a problem? But he has kind of floated upwards, you know, maybe into the top three rounds just because of the, of the power production. Yeah. He has 28 home runs on the year. He's leading the country in that category. And he's also a very uh, top candidate to win the golden spikes award. He's batting four eleven with a 1445 OPS. So he is just one huge slugger for the longhorns there. Colby. Uh, what about the Miami hurricanes? I think the best guy that they have is probably lefty Carson Palmquist, uh, who got beat up uh, in, in conference tournament play a little bit, but uh, you know, he, he may end up back in the bullpen, um, but he's been pretty good. Uh, you know, as a starter this year, he does have a ridiculous slider. He doesn't light up radar guns with his fastball. Uh, he can throw strikes. It's like a funky lower slot delivery. Um you know, I think he was probably the best reliever in the country in 2021. And then, you know, they needed him to start and he's been okay. I think a team could send him out as a starter and see if it can, can work. He's, you know, using his change up a lot more, gives him a chance. But I think a lot of scouts think because of the, the funk and the delivery, it's going to be hard to repeat and remain a starter. So, you know, I, I think a lot of times, cause it's so hard to develop starting pitching. And these days you only need a guy to go what five innings in the big league. So, you know, give it a chance. And then, you know, you can always shorten them up and you know that everything that fastball slider combination looks very, very good in shorter stints. Yeah. And there's always a, a nice role for that funky lefty in the bullpen in the MLB Carson Palmquist in 15 starts. He has 108 strikeouts and 78.2 innings. He's nine and four on the year with a three Oh nine ERA. Okay. And then the last team that we want to touch on is the Texas A&M Aggies. They're really hot right now. They've won seven sec series in a row and they're playing really well in the sec tournament right now. Uh, does the Texas A&M Aggies have any draft prospects on your radar? Nope. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You know, I think this happens, I don't want to say all the time, but it's not uncommon to have a college team that's just a really, really good program, but they don't have any, you know, sort of draft eligible stars. We don't have a single player from Texas AM on our draft top 200. So wow. That's, so it's more the team is really good as opposed to there being, you know, any really standout top draft guys on it. Gotcha. So that's just a huge testament to coach Jim Schlossnagel in his first year, turning that program around completely. Um, one of, one of the guys that have caught my attention on this team is Dylan rock. He's batting 328 with an 1155 OPS and 17 home runs on the year with 15 stolen bags. He's another guy in the college game that 
can play in every facet of the game that uh, has caught my attention. Uh, Jonathan, is there anything else or any other names that you've been sitting on that we possibly missed in this episode or that you want to talk about today? I think you've, uh, you've exhausted my, my knowledge of college baseball players, uh, at least, uh, at least for now. Now, if only my Baltimore Orioles could, could get all those players, all right, maybe they could win a game or two. They're, they're getting there. They're getting there. You got Adley up and, and Grayson's coming. It's going to happen. There we can, go. Can we just mention how Colby's a Baltimore Orioles fan? Jonathan's a, a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, and I'm a Detroit Tigers fan. We're all uh, meant. I'm, we're meant so to pay attention to this draft. For the record, I am not a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, but thank you. I live oh. in Pittsburgh. <laughs> what what team are you a fan of, then, John? You know, occupational hazard. I've been doing this too long. I don't really have a. I don't have a team. Okay. But, you know, I'll watch the Pirates because they're here, and you know, my my son. Uh, like them growing up, but uh, that's about the extent of it. I don't, my fandom days are kind of over. Great. So you go, you go with a guy the, that works at MLB.com. Yeah. You go with the MLB <laughs> hat, like Rob. That's Lester. right. I wear the MLB logo, the, the silhouette. <laughs> well, Jonathan, we appreciate you hopping on the show. Everyone give uh, Jonathan a follow at uh, Jonathan Mayo on Twitter. Check out his work over at MLB.com. We certainly appreciate you. And we're uh we, we would love to have you back as the road to Oma heats up and, uh, or, or perhaps next season at some point, please come back. Cause uh, we, we love picking your brain. Sure. You know how to find me. Appreciate Sweet. you. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Chatting it up with Jonathan Mayo. Got a gr- lot of great stuff there. Um, but before we hop into the final segment on the college baseball experience, want to tell you that the college baseball experience is brought to you by athletic greens in their AG one supplement. So what is this stuff? You're probably wondering, well, with one delicious scoop of AG one, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day. Right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and your aging, all those things. And it costs less than $3, $3 a day. Think about that. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. AG one supports better sleep quality and recovery as well. And athletic greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews online. So, you know, it's just not uh, Hey, a couple buddies. Can you give us a five-star review? No, unless you know, 7,000 people, which I don't, then, uh, <laughs> you know, it's legit. All right. To make it easy. Athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash SGP. Once again, that is athleticgreens.com slash SGP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We're also brought to you by, brought to you by, excuse me, IP vanish. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well be giving away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP and other prying eyes. That's why here at SGPN studios, we use IP vanish VPN on God's eye on all of our televisions. Yes. IP vanish makes you safely uh, browse the internet by encrypting hundred percent of your data. That means your private details, your emails, your passwords, your communication uh, will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's really that simple. And IP vanish is offering an incredible 70% off this yearly plan for our listeners with a 30 day money back guarantee. 
That's like getting nine months for free people. All right. So go to ipvanish.com slash SGP and use that promo code SGP and claim 70% off your savings. That's I P V A N I S H.com slash SGP. All right. And we are back talking college baseball. We got this wonderful, wonderful tournament, you know, not an invitational, an actual tournament. I know some teams uh, might've got robbed, but an actual playoff. This is crazy. Wait, they do it in D three football. They do it in D two football. They do it in the FCS. They do it in college basketball. They do it in college baseball. They do it in pretty much every other sport we could think of. I know our friend Mike Leach would agree with me, but Hey, we actually have a playoff. This is going to be great, right? Catch the sarcasm, Noah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the uh, college football playoff needs to just take a few notes, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not even a playoff. It's just a, a beauty pageant. Uh, <laughs> all right. But uh, here we go. We want to teach the listeners now how to pick a college world series future. And uh, maybe, maybe we'll browse the old bracket, you know, check out some betting odds and talk about a few things, but Noah, walk me through what you're thinking with how to pick a college world series future. Yeah. So when you're looking at this huge list of all the teams that are on this bracket, it could get overwhelming. There's a lot of different regionals that teams could come out of, but there's a few statistics to look for when you're picking college world series future things we're looking at and taking into account here Uh, in order to dogpile in Omaha, you need to look at teams that excel in the two most important stack categories for the uh, tournament, the length of this and it's team ERA and team fielding percentage. If a team doesn't have good pitching depth all year, they won't succeed in the playoff format that may have you playing five games in one weekend. You need good pitching depth because your best pitcher can't throw 100 pitches in a game. A common strategy for teams is to have their best pitcher start the first game because if you lose that first game, it may be a long way through the loser's bracket in the regional because you have to win four straight games. So good pitching teams in this tournament have three or four good starting pitchers. A bad pitching staff may only have one or two after their starters. You need to bring in relievers to finish the last half of all of their games that they play in this weekend. Most good teams have one or good two, one or two good arms in the bullpen. And that's what gives teams great pitching depth and a good team or ERA. The threshold we want to look at is teams with an ERA of four or lower. And this guarantees us almost any guy that the team throws, we can trust to do his job and limit the other teams from scoring. Now, sometimes I'll go a little bit over the threshold of like 410. 410 is probably the lowest, the highest I'll go. But I mean, treat this stat and everything else that we say is kind of like your March Madness betting commandments that the Sports Gambling Podcast gives out. Coolly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Check those out every year on sports or get that SGPN app. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Anyway, I mean, let's, let's hop into some of these odds then. Uh, well, I, so I, I have another stat here. That's also pretty important. Uh, a couple other facts that I want to want to talk about before we jump into the odds, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Hop. Let, let's floor is yours, <laughs> my right. friend. All right. So as for the other important stat, it's fielding percentage, and it matters way more in college baseball than it does in the MLB. After all, they're still amateur baseball players, and they aren't perfect. For example, last year, even though Vanderbilt had the two best starting pitchers in the country, the defense kicked the ball all over the 
could kick the ball around all over the place during the college world series versus Mississippi state. Another thing to keep your eye out on is that it never hurts to have good hitting, but we don't, ah, I can't talk, but we wouldn't advise you to put a future on a team that mainly relies on home runs for their run production. This is because Charles Schwab field, the centralized location where all the games are played during the final round of the NCAA tournament is one of the biggest ballparks in all of the country. And some teams struggle to hit home runs in the stadium. Lastly, what does help is playing at home throughout this tournament. So if they're an elite home team and at least host a regional as a top 16 seed, all of that cooked together is what makes a great case for your college world series future. I do have some seeding history as well that I included in the article that just got posted on the sports gambling podcast.com that I want to touch on as well on this podcast. And it sort of goes to like your typical five versus 12 upsets and how you normally want to pick at least two, one seeds to go to the final four. I'll touch on those real quick here. Only two, four seeds have traveled to Omaha since 1999 when this tournament format began Fresno state in 2008 and Stony Brook in 2012. So just like picking a 16 seed to win their first round matchup in March madness against a one seed may not be a good idea to take a, a four seed to win a regional and a super regional. What about three seeds? So since 2011, when the BB core era began, which is the type of bat that all the college players are using right now, if they're not cheating. Uh, <laughs> only two years has a three seed not made it to the Omaha eight. So just like you should pick at least one 12 seed to beat a five seed, it's a good idea to advance at least one three seed to Omaha, but don't get carried away. Only one of those three, only one of those years had two three seeds. So I would only take like one, maybe two, if you want to get risky as for one seeds, they historically overwhelm Omaha during late June on average since 2011, which is when the BB core era began five of the eight teams that appear in Omaha are one seeds. Why is this? Because playing at home matters so much throughout the road to Omaha. If you are a top 16 seed, you host the first round in your own ballpark. And if you're a top eight seed, you win the regional, you get to host the first and the second round, which is the super regional also in your ballpark. If the top eight seed does not advance the next highest seed remaining hosts the super regional. So that's why if you're not a top eight, but you're in the top 16, you also have a good chance of hosting that super. Lastly, since 1999, only one number one overall seed has won the college world series. That team was Miami back in 1999, which was the first year of this NCAA tournament's current format. So Colby, all of that basically means is one, three seed in your final, in your Omaha eight and not necessarily pick Tennessee as your national champion this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty revealing right there. It's easy to see a tide turn. Um, all right. Well, looking at some of these futures, buddy, I mean, I can't help but think, you know, I could see Ryan Real Money Kramer and his and his Virginia Tech Hokies plus eighteen hundred to win it all. Gobble gobble. What do you make of that play? Yeah, I mean, you have to love what Jonathan Mayo just said about that team as well. They have three NLB top one hundred prospects on that offense, and they have Drew Hackenberg who has ten wins on the year, and Griffin Green who has a great record as well with seven wins. Um, this is a great pitching staff in general. They have a good ERA 
And it, it's a, a true all around team that I really love their path to get Omaha, get to Omaha as well. Um, the one obstacle in their region is Gonzaga who has some really good pitching, but their hitting has been spotty this year. And that's why they weren't able to escape the uh, West coast conference uh, conference tournament. And then you get Columbia, who's probably one of the weaker three seeds in this tournament. And then Wright state who doesn't have any pitching at all. And Virginia tech, Virginia tech already swept them oh, they this year. Them. I so. watched those games. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the Hokies plus 1800 call me crazy sprinkle a little bit there. Uh, you got me. Yeah. I mean, Gonzaga, by the way, you hit on them. They're plus 5,500. Uh, yeah. what do you, they're not a bad sleeper Gonzaga, but the, the, the thing that nerves me about Gonzaga is they have to travel all the way over to Blacksburg from Seattle or Spokane, wherever okay. they're at over there in Washington. I think it's Spokane, but uh, yeah, they're, they're not a bad uh, ex- exploration out of that regional. Give me a couple that you're looking at that you're saying, Hey, I mean, uh, are you, are you potentially buying some, I know you're a Florida Gator guy. I know you like oh, your no. Gators. <laughs> the Gators are not Gators are not one of the teams that I'm zoning in on here. Um, but one team that I am and some people may not like this, but uh, it's, it's Texas. I mean, look at this road that they have. I mean, I, I have them going to Greenville as of right now, my bracket is not official, but I think they could go to Greenville and win two out of three in East Carolina. And that regional for Texas is pretty dang weak. Um, you get through your super and they have a fighting chance if they build up momentum to go into Omaha and play some of their best baseball. Um, but, but Texas is still the fourth from, for odds on, they're still the fourth favorite to win it all. Yeah. So but my, my explanation is everybody hated when Kansas and college basketball was listed as the one seed. Um, but everybody kind of went away from them. Uh, I, I picked Wisconsin. I know you picked Iowa and then what happened? Kansas stomped on everybody to get to the final four and ultimately win the whole dang thing. I, I could kind of see a pattern here with Texas because the NCAA just kind of gave them a little bit of a, a cheesecake uh, yeah. to yeah. get to Omaha. It happens all the time, man. What about long shots before we get out of here? Give me, give me a long shot odds play. Uh, let's take a look because so the weakest regional in my eyes is Louisville, but I still think Louisville can come out of there. We talked about College Station being a weak regional. I still think I'd give the edge to Texas A&M. And we talked about uh, one regional that we didn't talk about was North Carolina. And and I I feel like their regional is a little bit on the weaker side as well. And there's a team that I've been high on for most of the year. They come in. They're not playing their best ball as of late. They're plus 6,500. I gave them out at 80 to 1 to begin the season. It's Georgia. They have the pitching staff to do it. They have the experience to do it. Um, Their roster is deep and they haven't been healthy for most of this year. So that's why their record is, uh, hasn't been great as of late, but they have Jonathan Cannon, who's their their ace. He's back and healthy. And with him and the Tate twins up there in the lineup, I, I think that Georgia is a player because I think there's a lot of hype around the Tar Heels here. And I feel like the Tar Heels are really hot. And the Bulldogs are really, are really down. And uh, all the, all the attention in that regional is going to go to North Carolina there. 
There we go. And, and by the way, the Tar Heels are uh, plus thirty five hundred. But hey, my Pirates are plus sixty five hundred. Get in on some ECU action. You know, uh, maybe I'm a homer, maybe I'm not. <laughs> uh, all right, folks, subscribe to the College Baseball Experience. We're on Twitter at TCE on SGPN, and also give us a five star review over there on on uh, on iTunes or Spotify. And if you do that, take a screenshot of your review. Uh, find us on Twitter at TCE on SGPN and we'll send you a t-shirt. How about that? What a deal. Uh, Noah Beenix on Twitter at 77 NB that's S E V E N T Y the number seven and then NB I'm on Twitter at the Colby D the sports gambling podcast networks on Twitter at the SGP network. Give us all a follow and make sure you check out all of our other podcasts on our platform. We, me, Patty C NC, Nick, talk college football year round on the college football experience. We talk college basketball year round on the college basketball experience. We have the sports gambling podcast main feed where we take, we, we basically are talking everything. We just got done with the Indy 500 and stuff, right? We got the NASCAR gambling podcast. We got NHL playoffs going on right now. NHL gambling podcast, NBA gambling podcast as that season continues to heat up uh, MLB subscribe to the MLB gambling podcast. Noah Beenick does a lot of stuff with them as well. So check out all of those platforms, golf gambling podcast, the notorious OTB as a triple crown continues to heat up. We got you covered on the sports gambling podcast network. So subscribe, get that SGPN app. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is going to be fantastic as, as uh, we're, we are going to be covering college baseball heavy and Noah Beanick will be the heartbeat of that. So give him a follow and remember to check us out you know, pretty often because we're going to be dropping episodes a lot as the season continues to heat up. All right, folks, this is the college baseball experience. You better start thinking about yours and we out of here.